Hi, welcome back to AR Zone. I'm your host, Carolyn Bale. These continuing interviews on intersectional veganism and related issues are in association with VegFest UK. In today's interview, we're very pleased to welcome our special guest, Gitrui Gizu. Gitrui graduated in Criminology and Environmental Sciences. As a research assistant, she explored the sociology of human-animal relations and has a PhD in Anthropocentrism and Speciesism in Contemporary Criminology. Gitrui edited the book, Menson on their Darren, which in English means humans and other animals, in 2001, which is in Dutch. She later worked in youth care and as a policy advisor. Now full-time at home because of chronic diseases, she enjoys gardening and taking care of other animals. She writes about veganism and animal rights at grasswatels.org and at brugsvegan.com. Getrui, thank you for joining us today and welcome to AR Zone. Yeah, thank you, Caroline, and thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Did I pronounce any of those names correctly? Well, <laughs> close enough, close enough. <laughs> okay. Good, you'll be speaking at VegFest about ableism, body shaming, and health shaming. These are all extremely important issues, but why are they so important in terms of veganism and animal advocacy? Well, yes, that's, of course, a very pertinent question. And I can understand that a lot of people immediately think, oh, why is ableism discussed at a, at a vegan conference, at a vegan festival? What does this have to do with veganism? And we should only talk about the animals and about speciesism. And veganism is about fighting speciesism, right? It's, uh, it's about our fight for animal rights. And I can understand that. Yes, veganism is, of course, about animal rights and about the animals. But of course, also how we organize ourselves as a society, how we interact among ourselves as humans will, of course, have repercussions with our um, effectiveness in our campaigning, for example. So, First of all, it's it's a matter of effectiveness. So we should try to reach as much people in society as we can. We should try to reach everyone in society as we can with our advocacy and our campaigning. So we should be as welcoming to as many people as we can to everyone. And if people don't feel welcome in our movement, if disabled people don't feel welcome in our movement, we're missing out on a whole group of people. So and also body shaming and health shaming in particular makes people not feel welcome in our movement. And it's also proven that those are actually not a good motivator to change behavior, to make people go vegan, for example. And it can also lead to depression, drop self-esteem and even people having eating disorders. So on one hand, it's about effectiveness. So the more people we can reach, the, the more we can become a stronger movement, the more impact we have. But of course, it's not only about effectiveness. It's uh, because the core of the issue for me is that the vegan movement, that the animal rights movement is, of course, about justice. It's about compassion. It's about respect for all beings. And I feel that justice is indivisible. It's so it just follows logically that we must oppose discrimination on all fronts. We must oppose not only ableism but of course also racism and sexism and all the other oppressions so and we should also recognize that all of these oppressions like ableism racism ageism sexism that they are all interconnected and that they also all operate in the same way they are all part of a system of oppression uh, which has its roots in colonialism patriarchy and and capitalism i think so 
just fighting one oppression or if we only focus on for example speciesism and we only focus on the animals while still operating within the system while being ableist uh, while being sexist or racist that will just not work we cannot dismantle the system that way so that's why i think it's uh, important to address ableism also at a vegan festival couldn't possibly agree with you more i think that that's absolutely true and i think the importance of it is often overlooked so um thank you so much for addressing these issues as you sort of just touched on at vedfest your talk will also explore the precise intersections between ableism and speciesism would you please explain what you mean by that other animals so i say other animals besides humans are discriminated by humans because they don't belong to our species, because they belong to a different species than ours. So that's called speciesism. We all know the term speciesism. And with disabled animals, there is an added layer of discrimination here because of their disabilities. So that's where ableism and speciesism intersect for those animals in particular. Um, so I have a, a couple of examples to make it more concrete. For example, we have, um, when you think of disabled animal companions, they have a lesser chance of being adopted if they ever end up in a shelter or even if they ever get a chance to live a, a full life because a lot of them will be killed immediately at birth uh, if they are disabled. When they do end up in a shelter, they have a lesser chance of getting adopted. When we think of disabled wild animals who, for example, are brought into a sanctuary because they were the victim of road accident, um, from an ecological or environmental standpoint, those disabled wild animals are often valued less if they cannot be rehabilitated into their natural environment anymore, if they cannot live independently anymore, they are seen as less, they have, have lesser uh, ecological value. And also animals used in, in experiments, disabled animals are of no value there because they could possibly distort the experimental results. And of course, animals used in the food industry and um, in factory farming, disabled animals will not be as, a, as productive. And of course, factory farming is centered around productivity and disabled animals will be killed immediately after birth or when they develop disabilities or sickness. Um, for example, when you have, you know, when you look at how so-called broiler chickens are raised, hundreds or, or thousands of them don't even reach the slaughterhouse because they die in the process of being raised because they have disabilities, because they cannot stand on their legs anymore. And also, yeah, animals in entertainment, um, disabled animals um, are discriminated uh, against as well because nobody wants to go to the zoo and, and see a three-legged lion or a crippled lion. So those are the intersections um, for speciesism and ableism on, on the level of, of the animals. But on another level, there are also the interconnections between different oppressions having a negative impact on both the physical and mental well-being of both humans and of other animals. And then I'm thinking, for example, of factory farming, intensive agro-industry, which causes water pollution, air pollution, and for people living in the environment, it will lead to um, more diseases in that area. And also the development of resistant bacteria and viruses because of factory farming, which are a, a, a big health hazard for humans, and of course also has its impact on the animals, the speciesist side of it. 
And another aspect that uh, should uh, get more attention as well is the overlap for slaughterhouse workers. So the psychological and physical toll on slaughterhouse workers. So the system depends on cheap labor and it exploits not only animals, but also humans. So those are a couple of the intersections and interconnections that I will be touching upon in, in the talk. It sounds very interesting. Thank you. So, uh, hi Judith, it's uh, Roger here. Uh, great to uh, hear your voice at last. We um, we obviously crossed swords together uh, through our mutual work with uh, Piers Burns, a criminologist. So, yes, uh, yes, I'm it's, it's yeah. Good, yeah, good good to speak to you. Actually, before I ask my substantive question, I was really interested in what you said about the notion of disabled free living beings. At the moment in Ireland, we're getting a lot of um, injured seagulls, and they're we found. Um, a limited number of, of vets who won't just recommend that they be killed mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. there are a couple of sanctuaries now where there are numerous fairly badly injured seagulls uh, it's interesting because like some of them don't seem to want to eat you know and almost as though they've kind of given up a little bit and I just wonder whether you know because the, these ones are not being rejected because they're disabled they're being cared for and yet they themselves seem very despondent because they're previously free living and now they're in cages and, and that's going to be their lot for life. It's, so it's a bit complicated, you know, it's a, it's a real sad situation. Yeah, that sounds like a, a complicated issue and yeah, uh, I don't know re really know the background story, but maybe if they would have a an environment that is more suited to their needs. Maybe if they need to be kept in cages anyway, that 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 cages are as big as possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The sanctuaries are trying to experiment with uh, with different kind of as it were habitats and everything. So it's just uh, just an issue that popped into my head uh, through your uh, your last answer. So what I want to ask you is a, a rather wide question, really, and it's basically this: what do you think we can do to, to become an inclusive movement? It's obviously important, but, you know, how do we do it? Yeah, well, there are many things that we can do, of course, um, and inclusiveness is, is not only about being inclusive uh, towards disabled people, but, of course, since my talk is about ableism, I will focus on, on those points. Well, first, uh, the first thing that we can do, and, and that is also mentioned in the Bill of Anti-Oppression that you um, initiated, Carolyn, you were one of the initiators, is, is that we need to listen to marginalized groups and to oppressed groups, and if possible, also let them lead campaigns that are aimed at their peers. And I say if possible, because maybe yeah, for disabled people, it's not always possible to be the organizer or to be the leader of such a campaign. But I do think it's a very important point to, to listen to uh, marginalized and oppressed groups. Just so, for example, disabled people. Yeah, another aspect is language use. I see a lot of uh, ableist language used in the vegan movement, in the animal rights movement. So, for example, uh, slurs like, oh, you idiot, and you, uh, you're such a spaz, or uh, that's so uh, moronic, or that's so mm. autistic. Those are really ableist, that's ableist language. So ableist language is indeed a thing. So we have, there is racist language, there is sexist language, but there is also a thing like, like ableist language. Connected to that are microaggressions, the, the sort of little jokes, you know, microaggressions in themselves are not really discrimination or prejudice, but they are, well, you could maybe compare them to, to like a mosquito bite. When you have mos one mosquito bite 
in a day, it's not really that bothersome. But when you have 20 or 30 mosquito bites in a day, uh, at the end of the day, it will really have bothered you. And when you have those day after day after day, that really starts uh, getting under your skin, you know. Uh, So examples of microaggressions could be like, for example, I sometimes use a a wheelchair and then when people say, oh, but you can walk, right? Uh, I saw you move your leg. So do you really need a wheelchair? That's not really a discrimination in itself, or a, uh, but, but it's like people don't believe you that, uh, well, I'm not using the wheelchair for my pleasure, you know. So that's a, a kind of uh, an example of a microaggression. Another example is that I often see in, in online discussions or even in face-to-face discussions that people say, oh, but veganism is easy. It's so easy. Just try it. And actually, for a lot of people, veganism might not be so easy. Uh, and of course, uh, thinking about disabled people, if you depend for your, for your living on other people or are you, when you are institutionalized in a care facility, you depend for your, for your food and, and for everything on other people. So it might not be so easy to have vegan food, for example, or if you live in an area where there are no vegan ready-made meals available and if you are not in the ability to make your own meals but there are no vegan ready-made meals in your area that can be quite difficult so don't say veganism is easy that's another thing that um, we should uh, take notice of and accessibility is of course one of the things that we should take into account and that's probably the first thing that a lot of people think about accessibility and and then wheelchair accessibility but it goes accessibility goes further than that it's about also for example the accessibility of your website that you add image descriptions that you provide transcripts that you add subtitles to video so those are also things connected to accessibility and I already talked about uh, um, the body shaming and the health shaming in the movement and also medication shaming. There's a lot of that going around and the memes and the posters that go around that uh, depict meat eaters always as fat people. Or, for example, we had um, the campaigns this summer uh, about the Santorini donkeys, you know, the donkeys in Greece that carry the people up the hill and it always depict, it was always with a photo of a fat lady uh, on it. So when we, when pictures like that are posted, we don't focus on, on the animal rights issue anymore. It gives a message from, oh, if we just, if we could just have fat people not ride the donkeys anymore, then the problem is solved. But, but that is not the, that should not be uh, the core of our message. The core of our message is we should stop the donkey rights. In all instances, it doesn't matter which size you are, we just shouldn't ride the donkeys. So um, that's the issue of body shaming. I will also be talking about health shaming during my presentation. So that shaming people for, for not being in good health. And there's a lot of that going around in the vegan movement as well, portraying veganism as a, as a sort of miracle cure for everything. Or go vegan and everything, all health problems will be solved. But there is not really a one-to-one relationship between going vegan and then miraculously being in good health. There's also, there are different types of vegan diets as well. You have a full whole foods plant-based diet and you can eat burgers and, and chocolate and, and ice cream all day, you know. So there's, there's a, a whole range of different food types. And veganism is not about health and say, but it should be about the animal rights uh, message. 
Then another thing that we can take uh, that we should uh, take care of is, of course, to strive for diversity, to be a diverse movement. We should strive for diversity in the movement, of course, but we should uh, avoid tokenism. Um, don't just put a disabled people on the cover of a magazine because you think, oh, yeah, look, we have a disabled people here on the cover of a magazine. So you see, we are a diverse movement. It doesn't work that way. That's that's tokenism. That's just using that person to portray that you are diverse, but you're not really diverse. So those are a couple of the points that I will be discussing uh, during the presentation and points that we should take into account to become an more of an inclusive movement. Thanks for that, uh, Trudy, and I, I hope people will uh, attend. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> it, these issues are such important issues, and I could not possibly agree with everything that you said any more than I than I do. I just really want to stress that I think that the, these are just such important issues. Trudy, I often hear animal people use the insult, what are you doing for the animals? Or when was the last time you were at a protest? Implying that only when a person is able to attend protests are they doing anything for the animals. This is obviously ableist and classist insisting that people engage in activism that they may not have the resources for, including time, independence, mobility, emotional capacity, and so on and so on. It also disregards the myriad advocacy opportunities that are available to us without being on the street, and which research has suggested is actually more effective. Do you have any advice, both for those advocates who use such ableist and classist words, and also for those who may be made to feel lesser than by these type of insults. Well, you've really formulated that very well, Caroline, and I, I couldn't agree more with everything that you said there. So I also see a lot of shaming uh, people, shaming vegans for not being present at demonstrations, at rallies, at undercover activism, for not participating in that. But of course, yeah, it is not possible for everybody I think a lot of vegans and activists have a very narrow framework of activism and only, and they focus very much on street activism and those are, are really portrayed as the heroes of the movement, but they disregard the many, many forms of activism that people can do. So there are so many different types of activism, um, visible and invisible activism. And I, I would say to the, um, to the people, uh, when such a comment comes up on social media, I always say, but look, there are so many different forms of activism. Do what you are good at doing. Do what you like to do. And if you like doing it, if you're good at doing it, that's also a very, very valuable contribution to the movement. And yeah, to those people who are shaming the activists, well, the only thing I can say is, yeah, stop doing that because it makes people... Uh, it demotivates people, it, it marginalizes people within the movement. There are so many different forms of activism and everybody does to their best abilities, of course. And that's all I, could, I can add to that. I think that's wonderful advice. Trudy, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We really appreciate it. I want to wish you all the best at VegFest. I hope you have a wonderful time and I hope that your speech is received as well as I think it should be. And thank you also for everything that you do on behalf of both humans and other animals. Uh, thank you. And the same goes for you, Caroline. And thank you for having me for this interview. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The animal kingdom nurses past maturity.
thing to me. Why don't he bring me to white fish? Don't give me no blue cheese. We're all members.